0: Are you tired of dealing with unreliable stodgy business banks that don't care about you or your small business clients? Then you'll love to learn more about Relay, a no-fee online banking and money management platform built for you and your small business clients. With Relay, you get to say farewell to broken bank feeds, password sharing, expired two-factor authentication codes, and vague, incomplete transaction data. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor Relay later in the episode.
1: The older I get, David, the more I realize that most people in positions of power have no clue what they're doing and don't do due diligence and just invest based on relationships. And they got there a lot of times because they got lucky with one deal. You know, if you're a VC and you make a, a bunch of investments and you get one unicorn, like you invested in Google or you invested in Facebook or you invested in whatever. You get fabulously wealthy and now you have a lot of money and everybody thinks you're really
0: smart, but maybe you just got lucky. Coming to you weekly from the On Pay Recording Studio, this is the Cloud Accounting Podcast. Welcome to the
1: Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. And we have way too much to talk about
0: this week, David. All right, just right, let's not talk about Twitter because... <laughs> <laughs> that was very distracting last night. I'm trying to prep for the show and it felt like Twitter was going to be just turned off forever last night, but it was still oh, here this
1: morning. Yeah, Elon Musk and Twitter. Yeah. I don't want to talk about
0: that uh, because is there anything to talk about? There was there? almost an accounting story though, because apparently the whole accounting team and payroll team's all been locked out of the building. Like, maybe there's an accounting <laughs> well, story.
1: Actually, so the, the one accounting story in that was uh, Elon Musk was going to pay out, the bonuses to the people who are getting terminated because he doesn't want to get sued. You know, like all their options and all that stuff, right? Like that were set to vest really soon after he uh, took control. Yeah. And uh, so he actually asked who was ever in charge of payroll to do an audit to make sure that all the people that are going to get bonuses actually exist. He requested a payroll audit to make sure there weren't like fake employees, which, you know, sounds a little crazy, but also sounds reasonable. If you just took over this company, you have no idea what's going on. Maybe an audit is in order. So
0: I, I, It's funny because I feel like at some level, Twitter hasn't done anything new since I've been on it in 2007. It works, it, though. It's it still working. Yeah, it, yeah. It, that's the only thing they did. The, the fail whales went away. And they got it to work, and that was it. And maybe yeah. it's good enough, but at the same time, I probably see the point of view of maybe there's a lot of bloat. You don't need that many people to run it anymore.
1: Maybe not, maybe not.
0: Well, Well, um, David, I had a really
1: nice week, and uh, it's the beautiful time of year here in Arizona. Everyone is coming to visit. And this is one of the unexpected perks of moving to Scottsdale from L.A. is now a lot of people come to visit on vacation to the Phoenix area. And when they're in town, they say, Hey, Blake, I'm in town. Let's meet up. And so uh, I got to meet up on, uh, was it Wednesday? With Joel Hughes, CEO of Right Networks which will be familiar to our listeners as I think they're the largest host of QuickBooks uh, desktop. Uh, And that was previously their claim to fame was if you needed to host QuickBooks desktop in the cloud, go get Write Networks. And they had, I I think I I even used them at one point Um, and it worked great. And you might be thinking like, well, that's weird. Like, Why would somebody who's into cloud accounting like me be interested in QuickBooks desktop hosting? But we've talked, to,
0: uh, we've talked about this the show a lot, a lot. I feel like Right Networks, based on their acquisitions, they're the, they feel like they're the only desktop hosting company that's trying to be cloud. <laughs> like they're taking the next steps. And so Joel Hughes uh, came
1: in, I guess, six years ago, and he has basically grown Right Networks from being very focused on that QuickBooks hosting market to being an MSP. So they are the managed service provider for all of your IT needs. And that is growing like crazy. They are doing really well. well my so, understanding
0: is when the pandemic hit, it, obviously there these tons of firms that had zero in the cloud. Their only yeah. option was to, to go to somebody like that and get it all moved instantly. Uh, and even if you are purely cloud,
1: let's say you've set up a bookkeeping firm that you know you don't have to worry about the desktop tax software and you can do everything in your browser, you still need at a certain point, you need an MSP to handle all your hardware because you still got to have computers for the staff, yeah. and you have to secure those computers because those computers are the portal to all your online apps. So as much as we want to, we can't truly go 100% cloud, especially once you get to a certain size. So, uh, yeah, that was really fun to chat, and we just you know, nerded out <laughs> all things accounting and technology, and uh, it's, it's fun. So if, if you're ever in Phoenix or Scottsdale... Uh, and you want to meet up? Look me up. I I love getting out of the house. And give me, me a heads my... up.
0: Maybe I'll drive up. I, I, yeah. I need a heads up on these things. I can't find out on the show.
1: It's yeah, you're like... two hours away, right? So, is it two hours to Tucson? Yeah, basically. Mm. Depends on how we drive.
0: Uh, traffic, but there's always to be on than ten, so you can't. Well,
1: um, so the big news, like big stories, are FTX. And the question is, you know, what do we talk about that hasn't already been? Talked about over and over and over again in the mainstream press because it's been huge news. It's been top of the Wall Street Journal, it's been New York Times, it's been every single blog. It seems like uh, everyone, all the podcasts are covering it. And just to, so, to paint a
0: picture of how big it was, it trumped Taylor Swift's ticket sales that went on this week. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you really think about that, like yeah. Taylor Swift put her concert tickets on sale, and that's a huge event, and it barely blipped by because of.
1: This. Oh I, well, I saw the story about how uh, the the shortage of tickets uh, for Taylor Swift's concerts are driving prices up to tens of thousands of dollars for a ticket. Some some site had it for seventy eight thousand dollars for a that ticket. That should have been I the mean, number one story this week, but what, it can't. Be. You know what? Taylor Swift could have saved FTX if she'd done a partnership with FTX to sell the <laughs> tickets as tokens. She's the on only FTX. celebrity that didn't endorse FTX, apparently though. <laughs> So, I want to talk a little bit about FTX and specifically the balance sheet and the internal controls, all the accounting stuff or the lack of accounting. I think that's fascinating. Um, and we'll save the other stuff. Everyone else can go to the other podcasts. You listened to a really good episode of Planet Money, David, right? I listened yeah, so to it. Yeah, so go well. to
0: Planet Money's podcast. They have, a, I think it's, let me just confirm, it's the second most recent episode. And it gives a good in, uh, overview in 17 minutes from day one of Sam Bankman-Fried's start in crypto uh-huh. to, you know, him losing everything. And it's, it's, it's a good listen if you want an overview of everything uh, because we just can't do it in the podcast. I actually think it could be a week of podcasts. There's that It much. could be.
1: Thank you to everyone who has joined us live today. We stream live now every Friday, typically at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Follow our YouTube channel. Search for Cloud Accounting Podcast and subscribe, and you can get notified when we go live. And we've got Taylor, uh, who is listening (laughs) in. Hi, Taylor.
0: Taylor Swift jumped right on. She A
1: different different Taylor. (laughs) Thank you, Taylor. Taylor is in Austin. Taylor says, I would come to Phoenix, but I'm in Austin. Y'all should come to Austin. I love Austin. I go there whenever I possibly can. So, Taylor, if you can find an excuse for me to make a business trip to Austin, I will gladly come, and we should meet up. Uh, Yelena says, hello, Blake and David, sending you a huge hello while streaming from Croatia. Wow. Uh, yeah, Yelena, we go way back to the early zero days. So that's really awesome. Great to, great to see you or, or chat with you. And uh, I cannot wait to someday go to Croatia. My wife did study abroad in Croatia in college and still talks about it to this day. It was magical for her. Uh, we've also got Christopher. Hello, fellow cloud heads. Hey, Christopher, thanks for joining us. Christopher is in NYC, also one of my favorite places because my brother lives there. So, Christopher, uh, next time I'm uh, going to New York City, I will uh, I'll try to uh, give you heads up on the show, and you can uh, we can meet up. Uh, and and as always, if you want to email us, we are Cloud Accounting Podcast at earmarkcpe.com. That goes to both, both me uh, and David, and in fact, we have quite a lot of listener mail that we have saved up. Over the past few weeks that we need to get to, both voicemails and emails. Uh, so, where do we go from here, David? What, so what else you, other you, than
0: I, I think you uh, said you poured uh, some Baileys in your coffee and sat <laughs> down and looked at this balance sheet from FTX. So, what did you see? Because I have yet to look at it. I just never got around to it. So, what what is in this magic balance sheet? I mean, it's hard to even call it a balance sheet.
1: And I am looking at this right now on the live stream. I think I'm sharing my screen. It's kind of hard oh, I can to see read it. it. Okay. It is, um, I mean, so this is what leaked. This, what we're looking at right now is a spreadsheet that leaked uh, to, I think it was CoinDesk leaked it, I can't remember, and this is what set off the whole thing. Well, I and, love cell one, just read the note in cell one. Okay, uh, cell 1A says, note, all of these are rough values and could be slightly <laughs> off. Values. There is also obviously a chance of typos, et cetera. They also <laughs> change a bit over time as trades happen. So, like, this is something that the founder of FTX, Sam Bankman Freed, SBF, whatever, or FTX, founded by SBF, whatever his name is, right? The guy who walks around with the T-shirt and the shorts, and he looks like Jonah Hill is going to play him in the movie, a version of this, right? And it's just, it's just a shit show. I, uh, I am just like, it doesn't, it's not a balance sheet because it doesn't balance, and that's what has been pointed out many times. I mean, I don't need to go through this, but it's, it's basically there's a listing of liabilities that add up to something and then there's a listing of assets and there's they're classified as liquid less liquid and illiquid uh and then down on row 24 25 there's another note that says there were many things i wish i could do differently than i did but the largest are represented by these two things the poorly labeled internal bank related account and the size of customer withdrawals during a run on the bank i mean there's a row 23 says hidden poorly labeled fiat at account, and it's minus $8 uh, billion. <laughs> I think that's th- – so so this
0: – I mean, okay, what's the takeaway here? Uh, this is the I don't work think of that... a crazy person. Like this <laughs> no. is – I'm literally mentally uh, – this is completely – if you just had somebody mentally unstable creating – just give them Excel to play with, this is what you get out of it. Like, that's what this is. So I think,
1: I I don't think SBF's crazy. I think he's just a young entrepreneur, business owner. And this is what you would get if somebody who doesn't actually know how to do accounting put together a balance sheet. There are clearly no accountants, clearly no accountants working at FTX. It's just impossible to imagine that. Uh, And something that makes me think that is this tweet thread that came out about their internal controls. Uh, So we've learned a lot about the internal controls or lack thereof that were FTX because of the bankruptcy filing, which is being, um, I guess, managed, the liquidation or the bankruptcy is being managed by the same guy who did Enron. And he wrote that it's like worse than anything he's ever seen in his whole life. So this is worse, far worse than Enron, because at least Enron was audited. Now the auditors were unethical, right? And were helping their client commit fraud. But in this case, we didn't even have any
0: accountants involved. Can you better explain this guy's role? So is he kind of like a CEO for hire where he comes in to, he's like the wolf in Pulp Fiction. Like he came into Enron and ran that during the bankruptcy. Is that his specialty or something? I guess, I guess so.
1: Like, and I know this, this kind of role exists, right? Somebody has to take over when there's a bankruptcy. You can't like let the current CEO keep going, right? And Um, so this
0: guy's just waiting around for the phone to ring. And then it's like, all right, I'm in. He is the, he's like the wolf. All right.
1: All right. So let's go through this thread because it's really good. And this is by uh, Genevieve Roach Dector, CFA. I'm going to put this up on the screen here and we'll read through it. This is from uh, at at GR Dector. At GR Dector. I read the 30-page FTX bankruptcy court filing. How bad were FTX's internal controls? Here are the worst examples. Can I
0: pause for one second, Blake, on her credentials? She's a CFA, so Certified Fraud Exam accountant.
1: Uh, what is a CFA? Certified, chartered, chartered financial analyst. I knew that. Okay. Chartered financial analyst. Okay, let's go back to this tweet thread. Okay, how bad were FTX's internal controls? One, employees submitted expense reimbursements over chat. A random manager would accept or reject these reimbursements with an emoji. <laughs> now, I mean, anyone who's used Slack knows that that can, that can happen. That's not, that's not, this is not terrible. But you would hope they would be using some sort of like system for this, but I guess not. Okay, number two, related party loans. Alameda Research, FTX's hedge fund, gave Sam Bankman-Fried a $1 billion personal loan. They also loaned Director of Engineering Nishad Singh $543 million. Three, very few records were kept. Most decisions were made over chat with the messages automatically deleted after a certain time. If you're going to commit fraud, that sounds like exactly the kind of system you'd want to set up.
0: Like they're on the free plan of Slack, so that way you can't access the old messages.
1: There's... Well, so I know people who use Signal and they it's encrypted, and then you can set it so that the messages automatically self-destructed. And are self destructed. Which, you know, look, if you, if you it's a good thing. It's, it's basically a way to create a phone call kind of situation where there isn't a record uh, over chat. Which you might want to have for legitimate reasons, but you also might want to have for bad reasons. FTX, number four. FTX, a company valued at $32 billion, never had board meetings, neither did most of the subsidiaries. Five, FTX had no cash management system. Manage- this is the bad one, and this is go back, goes back to that um, balance sheet. Management had no idea how much cash was on hand at any given time or even where all their cash was. Six, FTX didn't keep proper records of who they employed. Employees and contractors commingled throughout the different companies without proper documentation of how they spent their time. Certain employees can't be located, which could mean that some employees were fake. Seven, corporate funds were used to purchase personal-use real estate, and employees and executives put their names on homes purchased with company funds. Eight, crypto deposited by customers wasn't, weren't even recorded on the balance sheet. Presumably, all crypto assets just went into one central slush fund used for whatever. That's, uh, that's, that's nuts. Nine, the filing makes clear that Sam Bankman-Fried does not speak for the company and that his erratic and misleading public statements should be disregarded. So, yeah, no internal controls, really. And, and the cash management thing is just kind of shocking, right? Like, And we're talking billions of dollars of funds in this exchange with no controls in place. I thought it could be this bad. We, we've talked about this since January about how so much of this is unregulated and unaudited and there's really no guarantees that any of the the reserves are real with a lot of these crypto exchanges with a lot of these stable coins how do we know you're just trusting somebody in the Bahamas in the Bahamas it's always in the Bahamas too like who often has like a weird sketchy past right and people are willing to do it and uh, I guess I guess the thing that this what really bothers me about this is that You would think that the public would be clamoring for auditors and demanding that we get an independent third-party verification by a reputable firm of this stuff. Nobody cares. You go through Twitter and you search for like audit and you search for crypto and exchange and tether. It's like threads with like the, the biggest thread might have 100, 200 likes or something like that. Nobody, it's not even on the radar of popularity on Twitter. And and I wonder why? Is that because the audit profession has become so irrelevant that or or just not understood that nobody even cares about this stuff anymore? I I feel like we should be out there saying like, "Hey, we have a solution, guys. Some reasonable regulation and get some independent third-party auditors in here, and we can we can have crypto and we can eat our cake and, you know, have it too, and everything would be great." But nope. Christopher says, even with internal controls, the controls would have been in place to likely facilitate this behavior anyway. Yeah, that goes to the back door that SBF had programmed apparently into their internal software so that he could move funds whenever he wanted back and forth through his, you know, related party entity. But I mean, I feel like if there had been accountants' internal controls, like that,
0: you know, like... the But what about controls on the other side of this, on the VC side and the investor side? I think Sequoia invested... $200 $200 million or $230 million, I, I guess, into FTX. And then he invested $500 million into Sequoia. Like, how are these things not getting showing up on other people's audits, other people's books, other people's eyeballs, right? Like, is, is it just blind? Hey, we saw a slide deck, we get a 15% guaranteed return. We're in.
1: I it think just, uh, the, the older I get, David, the more I realize that most people, in positions of power have no clue what they're doing and don't do due diligence and just invest based on relationships and they got there a lot of times because they got lucky with one deal you know if you're a vc and you make a, a bunch of investments and you get one unicorn like you invested in google or you invested in facebook or you invest in whatever you get fabulously wealthy and now you have a lot of money and everybody thinks you're really smart but maybe you just got lucky and there's a lot of vcs out there who are playing with other people's money. Because remember, they're putting in their own money, but they're mostly using the money of the general partners, other people's, partners, part, other people's money. People's retirement funds, yeah. right? So they're using. gambling with other people's money and they're doing, a hundred, they're doing hundreds of deals. It's not possible for them to do actual due diligence on all of them. So they're basically just playing roulette, right? Let's put a little money here, money here, money here, money here, and hope that we get rich.
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Liceo. Blake and I talk a lot in the show about client experience. A great client experience may be the biggest impact on a firm's success. Did you know that Liceo is so focused on improving the client experience that they have even gone as far as trademarking, and I quote, client experience 2.0. Lycio's all-in-one client experience starts with your own firm's experience. By allowing your team to do more together having everything in one place like secure messaging, client-facing tasks, file exchange and storage, electronic signatures, client invoicing, and client emails. When you improve your team's experience, your client's experience will follow. With Lysio, clients can use the app on their phone to easily e-sign anything, scan and send you documents from anywhere, send messages, and best of all, pay you. If you want to save 40% of your time by having everything in one place and start delivering a Client Experience 2.0, Head over to cloudaccountingpodcastpromo Lucio. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/forward/slash/l-i-s-c-i-o. And so I, my, I kind of went on this thought process of, like, I feel like in our industry, at the top, the ASCPA, we have thought leaders. They put on stage, in a way, they're pumping cryptocurrency, I said this a couple weeks ago as well, you know, when a big firm buys land in this, in the metaverse, it all it, it it legitimizes this. And so they use it as their marketing material to push it more. So I went on this journey and I tweeted out, I was like, "Do is there anything from an accounting leader that says, hey, maybe be careful with crypto? And uh, Seth Feinberg, who used to be uh, at Accounting Web US, he sent me a link to an article that was March 13th of 2018. And this article is written by uh, Brian Tankersley, CPA. Mm-hmm. So he, he titled this article, Cryptocurrencies, What Accountants Need to Know. Very second paragraph. Oh no, sorry. Very first paragraph. Wall Street has more gamblers than Las Vegas and speculative investments in cryptocurrencies exploit the same fear of missing out by used using get rich quick scammers since the beginning of time. So he went on to, but he's an article about how thin this is. And this is in 2018 before it got really crazy. Right. So okay. there's one article there. But one where... one person, one person in our industry from a position of yeah. leadership that said, don't, other than us, who we get called out for being morons yeah. and ignorant and don't know what we're talking about. Nobody, nobody at the top yeah. is. Where, where are the state CPA society
1: leaders? Where are the boards of accountancy? Where's the AICPA saying, hey, guys, maybe you shouldn't be investing all this money into unregulated and unaudited investments, speculative investments in cryptocurrency exchanges. Like we have been saying it, but you know we have a tiny audience compared to those folks and instead they're pumping it up. And the, the firms that have been involved in this have been pumping it up too, which raises a lot of questions about independence. So, so I was uh, very excited to see my old accounting firm, Arminino in the news Unfortunately, it was not exactly g- good news. The Wall Street Journal, this came out, I think it was yesterday or the day before. The headline is, FTX auditors doubled as crypto industry cheerleaders. And you guess who's featured in this article? It is Arminino and David, full circle, the metaverse accounting firm Prager Metis. Oh, they, also, they also audited FTX. They were involved in, well, an audit is, uh, a, I think, a very, this is part of the problem, is it's a very loose term here, because they didn't actually ever get audited. I mean, look, look if you can see on the screen, David, like yep. Arminino had a, a Twitter account called at Arminino Crypto, and like back in December, they tweeted SBF FTX, tweeting at the founder of FTX, let's go, buddy. You know, like they're pump, they're, they're, like that alone would be to something that as, as an independent auditor, you should never say that, right? You don't promote your client that way. But here's the thing, is that all of these, uh, oh, not all of them, some of these crypto exchanges, some of these companies will say, we got a third party audit, uh, like Tether, for instance. And then you go and you look at the report, it's not actually an audit. It's an quote, attestation report, unquote. So some sort of agreed upon procedures engagement, but it's not a full audit, and it's not an audit of internal controls. And so it's very misleading. And I think we as a profession have created the situation where people are really confused, because what is the difference between an attestation report and an audit? We've muddied the waters. Do you know what I mean? And people are pointing to these attestation reports and saying, oh, yeah, there's reserves there. But really, all it's saying is, at a point in time, one point in time, we we, you know, validated the reserves. It's not a full audit.
0: So it's, it, yeah, I it think can't it's really all be very muddy. On. It's the same thing with the advising, right? Because I asked this on Twitter. I'm like, how come accountants or leadership telling accountants to tell their clients to stay away from this? And people, like, well, you know, we don't have a license. It's uh, which may call it a. Security, or, or we can't talk about securities and investments. I'm like, but it's not even a security. So it's not a security. So you totally could tell your clients not to do this. But yeah. it's, and then I'm kind of thinking, I googled CPA oath, and then I'm wondering, like, shouldn't this fall under a some? Some of the oaths talk about public, the public, right, protecting the public, and yeah. some of them talk about um, integrity and what's the other word that was that came up on a lot of them? If you just Google CPA oath.
1: Independence, integrity, protecting the public.
0: It's those kind of, yeah, it's the vibe of yeah. those things. It's like, yeah. where is this happening?
1: It's not. And, and I think it was there for a lot of people to see. And, and we have failed as a profession to protect the public and to remind them, like, this is important
0: stuff. And let me remind you of a story from 2021 June. And we talked about this on the show. So a lot of these companies, to be honest, are, they're half ass. It's very clear. AICPA had this in their lap. It was so obvious how half, and I don't remember which one of these coin companies it was, but AICPA engaged 2021 in June. The biggest sponsor was one of these coin, I don't know if it was CoinTrack or Coinbase or one of these, I forgot the exact name, but they sponsored the lapels or the badges, right? They They had a keynote, spent tons of money. They had one of the biggest booth spaces on the floor. They show up, two dudes show up. They got no booth. They got nothing. It's just tape on a floor. Like they paid the most money to the ICPA and basically showed up just like two dudes with backpacks. And it's like so obvious how half ass that is. That like how you know what I'm saying? Like, how does this happen? And then the thing that makes me really crazy, I'm you know, that night I think we uh we were at one of the clubs in Vegas and like this guy was definitely the he was surrounded by like 12 hookers in a booth, like, at this bar. It was very obvious. And mm-hmm. it, kind of a disgusting-looking weird dude. And you ask, and, like, yeah, apparently he's, like, a, a Bitcoin bro that made, like, billion dollars or something. And then, so then following my next trip to Vegas in the summer, I'm in a taxi cab leaving um, – this was Sage Intact. And this is November of last year. So that's the peak of Bitcoin. And the taxi cab driver's driving me back to the airport, telling me about how much he's going to make on – Crypto and this and Bitcoin and to the moon, you know that typical verbiage, and I every time we have one of these collapses like this, I always think about that taxi cab driver. Yeah, like like did he lose his house? Like like is he divorced now? Like because he wasted all the money? Like I really because the real people are affected by this. Yeah, right. Real real people. It's not just the investors because that's the difference. This Ponzi versus all others. This Ponzi is in the Cash App. It's in Venmo. It's in PayPal. You could just spend $1,000 in crypto like that.
1: Yeah. It's a Ponzi for the people.
0: Ponzi for the people. Yes. That's what crypto is. We have equality now. Everybody can be Ponzi'd.
1: Uh, So here's the scary thing, right? FTX was the second largest exchange, the second largest crypto exchange. The largest one, Binance, still hasn't gone through an audit and doesn't even have a proof of reserves report, which is that attestation that falls short of a full audit. Which is supposed to show that they have the reserves to pay out their depositors should there be a run on the bank, and they 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 still don't have it. They claim that uh, they can't find they can't get it done because their auditor that they want to use is busy doing proof of reserves for others. So <laughs> that's great, right? I th- that that could mean that it was either pra- Prager Metis or Arminino that they want to do their audit. And, and there's a relationship says that.
0: between Binance and FTX. Like Binance was going to acquire FTX.
1: Well, so that there was hope that they would bail them out. But then when they actually looked at the books, they said, oh, no, we can't. Because there was such a hole. There was, you but know, the $8 they billion But did they kind of hole.
0: almost start the run to begin with that happened to FTX even before they looked at the books? And my suspicion is this. They looked at their own books and realized, oh, my God, we're going to bust if anybody – or vice versa, right? And they, yeah. they're like, well, let's kill them first before they kill us, causing a run on us. <laughs>
1: I just think it's so amazing that Prager Metis, you know, that first accounting firm to open an office in the metaverse that we were making fun of, they were involved in the audit of FTX Trading, the main international operation.
0: And the Wall Street Journal calls out about their metaverse. Yeah.
1: Now, now they, were, so they were audited, but it was only for 2021. So, you know, like, as of the date, of, like, that, it was only up to the end of that year. So everything that happened this year, there was never any oversight. There's never any third-party verification. And they didn't do any internal control stuff because the only companies that have to do audits of internal controls are public companies, not private companies. And, I mean, there's not even a requirement that these crypto exchanges get audited because they are outside of the rules. They live outside of the regulations that would apply to banks and would apply to anyone they live outside else. Outside of so, the
0: U.S. They literally live outside yeah. of everything.
1: So, you know, I think it's, it's inevitable that regulation will come at this point, like, because too many regular people are going to get fleeced and lose their lose their money. Uh, and, and, and we saw this in history, right? State banks back in the 1800s used to issue their own currency when there wasn't a federal uh, currency. And uh, eventually everybody realized that wasn't working because there were too many runs on banks. Banks collapsed, people lost all their money. And then we eventually got federal regulation, right? We got a national currency and so far it's you know it's got its problems but it's still a lot better than this situation so i think that's i don't know is there anything else to say about ftx have our (sighs) listeners got any input on this let's see oh aaron said please make ponzi for the people this episode's title there we go (laughs) a ponzi for the people well well, Uh, that that
0: was that wasn't that uh freed's game thing what was it called like Moving money to the poor, like he was doing something. And that's the best part is he was considered to be like the
1: savior of crypto, right? Like this is the irony of it is that he was going to Capitol Hill and testifying about how we want responsible regulation. It reminds me of Mark Zuckerberg asking for regulation, right? Like his platform is being used to like manipulate elections and he's the one calling for it. And meanwhile, we've got SBF calling for regulation. Meanwhile, his cryptocurrency exchange is the one that needs it the most. Christopher says, influencers with their pump and dump is beyond insidious. This is crazy too. I, since I started posting about FTX on Twitter, on every single thread, there's a bot posting some sort of <laughs> pump and dump scheme. I,
0: I, I had to mute a bunch of phrases right? because it was just overtaking my whole Twitter experience. Yeah. No. As soon as you talk about crypto. Now, if I talk about anything else, I don't get spam like that. I'm pretty confident mm. I could tweet the word porn and I won't get a bunch of spammers. Like, this only happens with the illegal dudes pumping and dumping whatever this new oh it's this something's going off on friday night i don't even know i just just block it
1: now there's another way that this whole thing could affect our accounting technology space that Raphael uh pointed out to me thanks for joining us rafael he said that ftx and alameda whatever these companies together have done a ton of their own vc investing and that it's possible that a lot of this money is going to get clawed back in chapter eleven. So we might see a bunch of these crypto startups, even ones that are like focusing on accounting and serving accountants, go under because now their promised funding is gonna disappear. So that could have, you know, roll on effects to the accounting profession. But golden yeah, age
0: of fraud, Blake. Like it you is, say. The, it is the age golden
1: of age of fraud, as our friends on the Oh My Fraud podcast. Have said, And if you haven't listened to Oh My Fraud, go check it out. I'm going to demand that Greg and Caleb do an episode on FTX because it's the biggest fraud in history, I think. We can safely say if it's bigger than Enron, it's got to be the biggest.
0: This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Relay. The other day, Chris Maskey of Prefix Accounting tweeted the following quote, not so hot take. If your business banking cannot maintain a stable QBO connection, you do not, in fact, have a business account. That's a cheap knockoff of a real bank account, end quote. And I could not agree more. What's the point of a business banking account if it doesn't integrate with your accounting tech stack? Relay is a no-fee online business banking and money management platform built for you and your clients. Relay integrates into your tech stack with direct integrations to QuickBooks Online, Xero and Gusto, and improves your workflows by allowing members of your team to have their own set of secure login credentials to clients' banking data. No more bugging your client for two-factor authentication codes. And did I mention the ultra-reliable bank feeds? And your clients get powerful online banking features like 20 individual checking accounts and 50 physical or virtual MasterCard debit cards, which can be assigned to their team members. To stop fighting with this, Chris tweeted, a cheap knockoff of a real bank, and instead get a business bank account that cares about you and your small business clients, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo relay. That is cloudaccounting forward slash R E L A Y. Relay. Business banking for your accounting tech stack. I, I don't have anything else on this, so then you know I'm happy to see Tom Brady go down. <laughs> oh god,
1: Tom Brady. Uh, all the celebrities that were, you know, pumping up FTX. The other thing that kind of sucks about this is like the employees. So apparently a lot of the employees were being paid, the international employees were being paid by deposits into their FTX accounts.
0: Oh yes, I saw so that. So they've as well. lost
1: not uh, not only have they lost jobs, they've lost like their life savings potentially. And that is truly sad. And that's that happened me
0: to sad. a lot of Enron people too. They had too much they were too because Enron stock was going to the moon. And so they just put almost all their salary into Enron, and then they lost their job and their life savings all in one shot.
1: Okay, one more tweet, and then we'll move on, I promise. Uh, Lynn Alden tweeted 10 days ago a really good explanation of what happened to FTX, and I think one of the fundamental problems of cryptocurrency. This is how she describes it. She said, imagine McDonald's makes its own money. Let's call them clown bucks keeps most of it, and sells some to the market. McDonald's then uses their remaining clown bucks as collateral for actual loans. And then the people remember clown bucks aren't real.
0: Well, not only that, they actually create second clown bucks and third clown bucks with other names, and they just add those to their balance sheet. They just add them in. <laughs> like, like, they just don't exist. Uh, yeah. They're clown bucks.
1: Clown, clown bucks. bucks, right? And that's what a lot of these tokens are. You. So you can this is this is the trick this is the accounting trick. it's a brilliant trick David i'm gonna create a hundred Blake tokens, and i'm gonna sell you ten tokens for ten dollars, okay You buy my okay. ten tokens now I have ninety tokens on my balance sheet, and i'm gonna say those are worth ninety dollars because David paid a dollar each. See how i've Im- invented an asset Yes, yeah, that's and- what. That's what these people are doing. It's that simple. And it could be even a smaller fraction. I could sell you one token for a dollar, and now I'm going to say I have $99 of Blake tokens.
0: But if I was your friend, and I was like, hey, Blake, let's get this scheme together, I will buy that first token for $100.
1: Yeah, that's the scam. It's really simple when you get down to it. Blockchain, crypto, oh, it sounds so complicated. No, it's just, it's just another way of doing a really old scam hazardous items thank you for joining us again hazardous says so happy us millennials and zoomers get to live through an actual enron thank you markets for keeping (laughs) us accountants employed actually this if we see reasonable right cryptocurrency regulation it could be a boom for the accounting profession but then the question is how do we staff it we don't have enough people to do all this stuff so i guess really good opportunity for our friends in the uh accounting crypto tech space
0: because we're going to need technology solutions. You can't do it in spreadsheets. Yeah, the accounting, like as, digital assets are going to be flying around, right? Some of it's crypto, some of it's this. You as a corporation are going to have it on your balance sheet. Eventually, yep. And, and how do you account for that properly? And you're right. The, no. the Those are going to be the winners in all this <laughs> because I don't think it's ever going to 100% go away. There's always going to be some new digital asset-y, coin, token-y thing. And, yeah. They're going to be flying around the internet. It's just a bunch of electron, uh, electrodes, ones and zeros. And you're just going to have to make sure it posts the debits and credits correctly. And companies that can do that for you probably stand to win the most in this whole thing. Unless those companies have been invested in by FTX,
1: then they're in trouble. So, so go and listen to our interview with Pat White and Rafael Casas at BitWave. Uh, it's one of our bonus episodes from Sweet World, BitWave. That was a really interesting conversation and really cool what they're doing. With uh, NFT marketplaces and just like accounting for digital assets, um, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff going on, and and you know maybe this is an opportunity, right? Like now, now we can actually have some real crypto use cases and not just this fake fake value being created. I always say this: we we need to educate the public to think more like auditors. And when you're making investments, if you think like an auditor, it's really hard to screw up. And so how do I you know, take what I've learned in accounting and apply that? Uh, how do I think like an auditor? I say, okay, who am I giving my money to? Like, who are they? Are they reputable? Can I trust them? Do they have a third-party verification of some sort that they're going to do what they say they're going to do? And then I ask, what are they going to put the money in? Like, where are they investing my money? And then I ask, the second question is, okay, now that I know where they are and I trust them and I know or I know where they're putting my money, I I ask, do I understand how this investment generates returns? How does it give me interest? Or produce value. How does it create yeah, how does it create value? There you go. So that it'll grow. Because if it doesn't produce value,
0: it should not grow.
1: Well, and if the way that it grows is fundamentally by getting other people to buy in, that's a Ponzi scheme. And that's what most of these tokens are. They generate a yield. That's what you know. Alameda Research, they were investing in yield farming. So they were buying tokens that generate a yield, that give you interest, but the tokens didn't generate value in any, other, in any way. So the only way that it could pay interest was if other people bought into the token. So it's, it's actually basically a digital Ponzi scheme. That's what these tokens are. It's paying interest to the current token holders by getting new people to buy tokens that's that's a ponzi scheme
0: yeah well and now guess what i am now one of what 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 is it when you just hold it forever what's the hdl what's the hodl hashtag HODL? HODL?
1: yeah H- h-o-d-l it's like a misspelling okay, so that means of i'm gonna hold
0: it forever well good news everybody i am now a crypto holder whatever the hell that acronym is because my crypto balances are so low that i can't afford like I can't do the transfer <laughs> to move it back to USD. So remember uh, that time in February of 2020, I put four dollars of cash in one of those coin machines at the grocery store, and I bought Bitcoin at the grocery store. That's now only worth a dollar sixteen, and I can't get it out back to cash.
1: Well, you made a bet on Twitter with Michael Doan, where yes. I think I think I think he got the raw side of that deal because you said that you would bet him your entire Bitcoin. Uh, balance crypto assets my whole my, and yeah, i have your whole portfolio you know,
0: three dollars here dollar right. 16 here i have seven dollars over here yeah well and you, add, you add said 13 yeah, and then, maybe and then
1: most. he accepted your bet but i think he has a lot more crypto than you do so if you win you get his crypto holdings right technically well, if, he, if he's
0: not still in crypto nine years from now and my uh, guess yeah. is he's not going to
1: be well then you wouldn't have anything to get would you
0: this episode of the cloud accounting podcast is sponsored by canopy did you know that Canopy has a partnership with the IRS? This means that you can now use Canopy to pull your client transcripts. The integration is approved by the IRS and can be configured to automatically pull transcripts you can easily monitor if and when something changes. Now here's the best part. Once you have your client's transcripts, you can use Canopy's notices feature to help you resolve your client's notices. Canopy has a library of 350-plus pre-built federal and state notice templates that provide an overview of the notice type, as well as walk you through the recommended steps to resolution. And Canopy can even create and autofill your IRS response letters. Canopy also integrates with QuickBooks Online, Xero, FreshBooks, CRMs, Form builders, Spreadsheets, Calendars, Email, and Zapier. They even have a mobile app, centralized file management, fillable PDFs, a client portal, task management, and the list goes on and on. To get a demo of Canopy and to receive a forty dollars Amazon gift card, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/slash Canopy. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo/forward/slash C A P Y. Okay. All right. No I more crypto. That's yes, Can so we no do? More, no more. Shall we do listener voicemail? Yeah, I'm just going to suggest that as long as nobody okay. has listener mail about crypto, because I don't want to derail us. <laughs> All right. Somebody talked about workflows, though. We got a great email about workflows, right?
1: We got an email about workflows. We got an email about uh, the 150-hour rule. We got some voicemails. I'm going to play a voicemail first. All right. Because if you send us a voicemail, we're a podcast, right? So we like voicemails. So we we're going to give them priority. Higher priority.
0: Blake, hey, this is Joe Rotman. Um, I just had to leave you a voicemail. So. I, I'm um, in my fifties, you know, thirty-year corporate accounting, you know, at least reporting person, and um, I just became aware of the bark and cloud accounting podcast and that frog podcast in the last couple of weeks. Just can't get enough of them. It's uh, so entertaining, you know. So, so uh, you know, and then you have great guests. So even more learning than just the boilerplate stuff you hear on the big four. Pod, you know, podcasts or webcasts, not that they're bad, but this is really good in addition to those and, and much more <clears throat> entertaining. And so uh, I just, uh, you know, spent the 99 bucks and started. And uh, really uh, enjoy the content, Joe Lutman.
1: Thank you, Joe. Really appreciate that. And as a reminder to our listeners, you can get free CPE credit on the Earmark app for listening to this Episode, so go do what Joe did and support us by subscribing to earmark. When you subscribe, you get unlimited access, can take as much CPE as you need for listening to podcasts, and that is uh, very relevant given we're almost at the end of the year. And most people do their CPE in December, so get those hours. Here's a message from Samuel. Samuel, I'm not going to say his last name because I'm never sure if uh, if people want to be identified. David, this is the one you were talking about about workflow. So we yeah. were uh, we were talking last week with Joe Woodard about workflow tools, and we saw a stat that fifty percent of firms don't have any workflow technology. And Nothing. I
0: said, at least yeah. they're using Excel. They just build it all. In, they just have checklists in Excel. But apparently and then Joe I'm an said, idiot, "Not what I'm talking about." So. Well, no, I would agree with you. I'd be like, if "Yeah." Somebody, no, you or Joe. Joe said, "David, no, that's not true." Yeah, that was.
1: That was hard to believe, but Joe confirmed it. And, you know, I'm going to believe Joe, right? Like like Joe's been around in this profession for a while. And so Sam said, hi, Blake and David. I listened to the most recent episode where you talked about half of CPA firms not having any workflow management tools. I just started a job at a CPA firm, and I was kind of shocked when I was being shown how they manage projects. They have one large folder, and each staff member has their own subfolder within this folder. When a project is assigned to you, a control sheet will show up in your folder, and you work on it, and once it's done, you put this document back into the manager's folder, or whoever will be working on the next piece of the project. To answer David's question, no, they don't even use Excel to track them. (laughs) I asked the partner who was training me if they have considered using any workflow management tools, and he acknowledged that it would be useful, and they've had the discussions, but the six partners could not come to a consensus, and so they just keep doing it the way they've always done it. For context, this is a full-service firm with about 50 employees and serves small to mid-sized businesses. Tax department did over 1,000 returns. Sincerely, Sam.
0: So, so, so okay, yes, the workflow seems complicated using these envelopes, but is the real <laughs> issue in this email that because of the partnership model, you can't move forward and grow because you can't get consensus of uh, all six partners?
1: David, you nailed it there. Yeah, that's it, right? They would do it, but they couldn't get all six to agree. This is the problem with the partner model. How do you implant, implement new technology that's disruptive when there might be one person who's like, "Nah, I like the way it's being done," right? There's always that one person who's like, "No, we don't need to change. We're good." That's the problem. It's sort of like um, it's like the filibuster in the Senate, right? All it takes is one senator to say, "Nope," and you can't move forward. That's what the partner model is. So. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. This is just,
0: just, just
1: yeah. Let's see. Let's go back to our messages here. You said something about the
0: 150 hour rule? Somebody about?
1: Here's one about the 150 hour rule. Let's see. Actually, we got two. Jonathan said regarding your discussion of the 150 hour rule, which for those who haven't been following, uh, that's the rule that if you want to be a CPA, you've got to get an extra 30 hours of. 30 credit hours of education after your regular bachelor's degree, which ends up being about a year of school. So a lot of accountants, if you want to do the CPA thing, you've got to go get a one-year master's, which adds a lot of cost to your degree. I personally think it's a reason why we are suffering in terms of recruiting. So Jonathan said, regarding your discussion of the 150-hour rule, I thought I'd give my experience. I graduated in 2006 when I started college, the 150 stuff was just really beginning and my university offered a three slash two five year program for a master's in accountancy, but didn't really push it. So I graduated with 121. Okay. So he's doing that. They offered a five year program to do the 150 hours. I went to work in public in DC and Virginia. You could still take the exams at 120, but needed 150 to be licensed. By 2010, I had passed all four the first time and had my work experience. I just needed my 150. I've never quite got there. Every time I start doing more education to get it, life just pops up and I get three to six credits and stop. Well, that is on me to a large degree, it also shows that I was 100% qualified to be a CPA, but because I can't get around to getting my basket weaving credits, I've never and likely never will be a CPA. 150 rule needs to go.
0: So, can I admit something about the 150-hour rule? Yeah. Okay. So, I was in discussion with Norma, who's one of the accounting twins, and she's the accounting twin that's in grad school. The bell went off for me this week, and I am I look like an idiot now, but I thought you had to do another 150 hours. So, they have a branding problem. They should just call it the plus oh. 30 because you really have to do 30 more. They should just call it plus 30. Like, get rid well, of the 150 because already that just that's just scaring people away. Like plus well, thirty still seems seems I can eat that apple plus thirty, but I mean, they the need whole, to stop calling it one fifty entirely. It's a branding problem. The whole credit hours thing doesn't even make any sense to me.
1: Like why why is it one hundred and twenty credit hours to get you a bachelor's degree? Like forty hours? Like this whole translation of college credits into hours? I've never understood it because is 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 the amount you learn based on the amount of class time? you spend like if we increase the amount of time you're in class you're going to learn more uh, you know i don't the whole thing is just completely anachronistic
0: <laughs> i just anyway. think it's a branding problem it scares people away it's too big of a number yeah and it adds Use plus 30
1: say say uh, plus 30 plus 30 uh so don't don't help them david don't help <laughs> them extend this problem okay so tyler wrote in uh he, he's written in before thank you tyler he said, uh, Hope you're well. I wanted, actually, Tyler was on our show. Oh, Remember he's Ty-
0: new, right? He's been like two years. He was, yeah, yeah, he was just of work. Yeah. yeah. He, yeah.
1: Was, he, he was talking about being a remote and uh, working like his first accounting job remotely. And, uh, and, and it was really interesting. Um, so he said, Hope you're doing well. I wanted to share some thoughts after listening to episode 304 of the Cloud Accounting Podcast, especially after just recently passing my final CPA exam. Congratulations, Tyler. He passed. He says, uh, one, the 150-hour rule is definitely something that hurts the amount of people interested. I was actually lucky with my experience, however. I went to a small school in Nashville, and the School of Business actually allowed us to get our 150 hours in our undergraduate program. This helped me a ton because I didn't have to spend extra time and money on a graduate degree for the 150. I think a lot of big schools make the push to get the master's of accountancy just to make more money, when in reality, students can get 150 hours in undergrad. Not to mention the master's of accountancy without passing the CPA exam is pretty much a waste of time, in my opinion, especially compared to the value of an MBA. Either way, I think the 150-hour rule hurts our profession, but maybe with this option more widely promoted, it wouldn't be as bad. He goes on. Number two, I heard a listener mention that the score release periods for the CPA exam are going to only once a quarter. This is something that is really annoying. It was bad enough as it was. I actually had to wait over a month for three of my scores, which impacted my plan of studying, because I couldn't afford to sit around for a whole month with the time period of 18 months you have to pass all of the exams. Why would they expect people to have to wait that long to get a score on a digitally taken exam when they put a time period on how long you have to pass all of them? Even just saying it out loud makes no sense and isn't fair at all." So yeah, they've actually made it harder to pass the CPA exam, great. Three, as someone that is new to the whole profession, I may be having too big of aspirations, but at what point do we start working towards a continuous interactive 10K report for public companies? Being an IT auditor, I know there are ways to automate reporting processes that could feed directly to an interactive continuous 10K report in which auditors can audit the incoming data to the report. I think having deadlines every year for these reports is something of the past, and it's something we can help change with the technology that is being brought to companies. This would improve audit quality as there wouldn't be hard deadlines and we can audit the incoming data throughout the whole year and wouldn't have to wait and try to crunch all of the work in at the end of the year. I also think doing this would make the 10K reports more relevant to people in my younger generation that likely don't even look at financial statements to do any sort of investing, especially since the reports are 100 pages long and look like boring research paper reports. Instead, imagine an interactive real-time report where people can go in and look for the kind of data they want to see instead of having to read through a whole report hoping they find something they want to see. Maybe this is too far-fetched, but I do not see why this is something we can't start making a push for for the future. Sorry for the long-winded email. Kind of just needed to rant about some of these topics and wanted to share some insight. As always, thank you guys for such an amazing podcast. Thanks, Tyler Kaprowski. Good evening. Tyler, That's a brilliant idea. That last one, I I haven't ever heard that from anyone. And the idea of a continuous audit, continuous public reporting, 10K, like that's really neat. That would be something that would help these crypto exchanges, right? If somebody could continuously audit their reserves. The problem is that nobody's really figured out how to do it. But that's a a big opportunity.
0: Yeah, like a, a big bank feed of their balance sheet. Yeah. You just get to, yeah. Everybody gets to watch it all the time.
1: Right. And, and it's not just this point in time. I think that's the big problem with like these proof of reserves reports is it's just one point in time. If they don't have proper internal controls, all that money could be drained out and put somewhere else. Oh, and then they go put it back. Yes. As soon yes. as, right? It's like, take the money away, go play with it, do dangerous things with it. Then, oh, we need to get another audit. Okay. Let's put all the money back. <laughs> let's get audited. <laughs> right. uh, so thank you both. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, We got another voicemail, David. I think this is the last one, and then we'll go on to whatever's left in the the time we have. This is from Heather Smith, our correspondent down under.
2: Hi, Blake and David. It's Heather Smith here calling in from Brisbane, Australia. I know you love a good accounting conference, and I've not heard you mention the biggest accounting conference in the world, WACOA. Well, the World Congress of Accountants is known as the Olympics of the accounting profession, and it's happening this month, November 18th to the 21st in Mumbai, India. This year's theme is Building Trust, Enabling Sustainability. And rather than being a vendor-led conference, it'll have leaders of the Global Accounting Association's representatives providing a unique opportunity to have big global accounting and business conversation. So it's likely your accounting membership fees will be paying for your USA accounting representatives to attend on your behalf. In 2018, I was um, extraordinarily fortunate to be an ambassador for Sydney Wakoa Conference, along with uh, David Boyer and Paul Meisner, hosts of From the Trenches podcast, on behalf of the Chartered Accountants Australia, New Zealand. With 6,000 delegates from 130 countries, it was on a scale that I'd never seen before. So to give you an example, we were invited to a cocktail reception on the beautiful Sydney Harbour. And as we settled in, and I'm holding my bubbles and having a little talk with people, a submarine surfaced in the harbour. And then it got covered in tap dancers who entertained us for the evening. I've never seen anything like it before. It really set the scene for the four-day conference, multiple sh- sessions, running simultaneously, big conversations, and accounting thought leaders for from every corner of the world. Blake and David, I propose the Cloud Accounting Podcast should add the 23rd WACOA to its conference bracket list. It shall be held on August 2026 in Busan in Korea. The theme of WCOA 2026 is Global Friendship Through Controlled Technology, Thriving from Innovative Global Diversity and Living harmoniously with the modern AI convergence. Goodness, that's quite a theme, isn't it? But I do think that converges perfectly with the cloud accounting podcast. What do you think? Well, I see you in Korea in 2026? Oh, what was the name fun. of this
0: conference? Because I'm Googling, I'm getting uh, World of Coal, <laughs> or Coal Ash Archives. So this is not it. Uh, so I think this is it. The
1: World Congress of Accountants and it says, so
0: it's, a W-C- uh, C- so it's a W.C.
1: O.A. O.A. Got it. 2022 Mumbai dot O.R.G. I had never heard of this before. I guess I need to get out of my U.S. bubble and go abroad. I would love to go to Korea for the 2026. So we've got four years, David, to raise our stature as a podcast so that we can, uh, can get somebody to fly us out there.
0: You know, somebody did get out of – what did you just say? Get out of your U.S. shelter or your – Yeah. Would, I don't know. We should rewind and see exactly what you said. But I did see somebody that did get out of their U.S. offices and go somewhere. So this is, is an article in gulfnews.com. World's largest accounting and finance body to convene in Dubai so that AICPA and the CIMA their board of directors are going to go have a meeting in Dubai from November 15th to the 17th. The gathering will discuss, I mean, obviously that just happened now, but the gathering will discuss how to prepare the profession for meeting the future challenges it faces serving the public interest and in driving trust, opportunity, and prosperity for business, economies, and society. Like, seems like a good gig, man. Like, I a trip to Dubai.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully they'll, you know, talk about some of the issues that we've highlighted here on our show, including, you know, the... The lack of trust in crypto markets and the future of our profession, which is threatened by a lack of people entering the profession, or maybe they'll just go uh, enjoy themselves. Who knows?
0: Maybe there'll be a report out and we'll be able to, like, maybe they'll have a, here's what we've met about. There'll be a summary. We'll cover it on the show for sure. David- You should get a gig on that, Blake, and then you could take it as a plus one. trip I know. It's like a good racket. Well, David,
1: that's uh, all the time we have for this week. Thank you, everyone who joined us live. A reminder, you can interact with us live, chat with us, let us know what you think about accounting and technology. Uh, we'll be back here next week. Are we going to be back here next week, David? The usual Friday thing? To next week's
0: Thanksgiving week. Okay, this is good. That means it'll be a kind of a quiet news week. Okay. And then we'll probably record on Sunday night, I think. Yeah. Because I'm going to be- go out of town. And hopefully it's a quiet news week, and we can catch up on the stories that we didn't get to today. And like, no more crypto bros, stop crashing, man. Just like, make it a week, like without without more news, please. That's all. I don't want to come back next week and it's Beyonce or whatever that's down. So we'll catch up. We'll catch up finance. on all the news
1: we missed this week. Uh, next week, and yes, everyone, happy Thanksgiving. Um, who is in the US? Hope you have lots of turkey.
0: And if you're yeah. listening to this, don't forget to register. If you're going to QuickBooks Connect to the Cloud Accounting Podcast Party that we're throwing with OnPay, Guideline, and Relay, it'll be a a lot of fun.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I need to get what's the URL for that, David? It is uh, cloudacctpod.link dot link slash party. There you go, and you can see it on the screen here. Register for the party. It's on December seventh at seven PM at QuickBooks Connect. We are going to be joining uh, with OnPay, Guideline, and Relay to put this together. It's at the Chandelier Lounge in the Cosmopolitan. It's a great venue. It's going to be a lot of fun. Meet us in person. And, uh, yeah, come say hi. We love meeting our listeners.
0: And we'll even serve a little bit of food. People are going to eat.
1: Oh, good. Food is good. Yeah, it's always it's always a problem when there's no food at these events. So yes. we're going to make sure there's food. Good. Uh, see you ya, see ya next week, David, after Thanksgiving.
0: All right. Bye. Time for the classifieds. Are you still paying 1% for ACH to receive money from your customers? With uCollect, you can pay as little as 30 cents per transaction. uCollect has two-way sync to both Zero and QuickBooks Online and gives you the features that the accounting systems lack, like installment plans, secure automatic payment setup invitations, automatic receipts, and allows access to other credit card merchant providers beyond the ones that come with the accounting system, giving you more control over the service fees that you pay. For more information a 30-day free trial, Go to ucollect.biz/cap. That's ucollect.biz/cap. Check out Hector Garcia's new app called Write Tool for QuickBooks Online. Instantly increase your productivity with keyboard shortcuts and more. It will save you seconds. The app is free at the moment in public beta. Check them out at writetool.app. That is writetool.app. R i g h t t o o l dot app.
3: I don't care where you live in the United States. If you're a CPA, you have to take ethics continuing education. And I don't care who you are and where you live. You hate taking ethics continuing education. That's why me, Greg Kite, and my buddy, Adam Browd, we created a podcast called Drunk Ethics where we unfold and uh, expose all of the inner secrets of not just ethics, but how to become more ethical, and to promote ethical behavior at your workplace, and we do that while we are getting progressively more sht faced during the course of each episode. In each episode, we take seven shots every seven minutes, and so at the beginning, we are scholarly, and by the end, we are drunk, yet still scholarly. If you're interested in this podcast, which I know you are, anyone can listen to the podcast for free. It's out there. You can find it. But if you want CPE credit for it, NASBA certified CPE credit. It is a premium course on Earmark, so if you're already a subscriber to Earmark, it's going to be more than that. But listen, it's worth it because of two reasons. First off, you know your company, you know your firm's going to pay for it and not you. And second of all, it's worth it, damn it.
0: Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.